Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tow I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy Never think about the drop, never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to it, Sportsmans. It is the MKT Show. Show, show, show. If we're on radio, that's what it would sound like. Hope you're having the greatest day of your life ever. No matter how old you are. At, at what age should we start holding babies to account, you know? Because I, like... It's just nice to know this stuff. It's nice to know this stuff. At what age should children be held accountable? Gotta ask these questions. Three? Four? When, when do babies start walking? I don't have a baby. I, I don't interact much with babies. I just realized that. Like, because I don't have like a big friendship circle. And most of my friends are either just having a baby or getting married, you know? And a lot of people now, I would say, I don't know if it's unique to my circle but aren't having babies early, you know? Maybe maybe it's a black middle class thing. I don't know, you know? Like, oh, bro, can't carry on. Can't carry on like our parents just having six babies. We've got to, you know, I don't know. You know when people are sitting in and they just have conscious conversations. Or maybe you don't know, you know? Like, oh, got to do better than our parents. Can't have seven babies. I think my, my, dad, my dad's one of seven. My mom's one of five, five, four, five, five, four. Can't remember. Anywho. Um, so I don't see babies a lot. I, like, like I, don't, I don't know what babies are doing. Are, are babies different from one to five? When do you notice a baby is different? Eight months to 18 months? Because, uh, like, people always post, oh, they grow too fast. Like, cherish every moment. Like, well, I don't know. Like, your baby was a baby, and then, okay, now you're buying uniform. When do you see the changes? Most of you are at work anyway. You know, in my country, in South Africa, relatively speaking, if you're middle class and upwards, most people can afford home care or a maid. Uh, People get uncomfortable with that term, like, if somebody's cleaning your toilet, they're your maid. So stop getting uncomfortable. Uh, uh, what do people say? Helper. Like, oh, why are you trying to make yourself feel better? They're your maid. If, if, if somebody's washing your underwear, they're your maid. That, that, is, that is the very definition within colonial speak of a maid. Do, doing your dirty work. They're not a helper. They're not helping you. No one helps you clean your underwear unless they're your maid. I mean, they're not in servitude. We're not talking about... Children working in the Congo, you know, in in indentured labor in the copper mines under Leopold. That's not what we're talking about here. Let's let's contextualize it. But there is still a, a, you know, a servant-master relationship. Which I think is awkward for black people, but it's not uncomfortable for me because I will address it in my own mind. 
if somebody is cleaning your toilet, they are your maid. Anywho, it's not the point. That's not what we're talking about here. This is the MKT show, by the way, sports show, apparently. But I was just thinking now, as I as I turned the mic on, recording after Manchester United lost 3-3 against Galatasaray. Yes, I did say they lost 3-3. We'll talk about that um, in a little bit. But I just thought about that now. When should we start holding babies accountable? If you are the owner of a baby or the recent producer of a baby, let me know. Like, oh my God, at three months, oh, their feet get big. One thing you need to know about human beings, by the way, people may or may not know this, your eyes never grow. That's why babies look like they have big eyes because everything else grows. Your eyes are the same size from birth until you die. So that's why people go, oh, she's got such big eyes. No, the head is small because their cranium is still developing, you bloody muppet. That's one thing that doesn't grow is your eyes. Read a book. We should, we, we should really discuss this, though. I, I do feel like babies and, and rich athletes get away with the most on this planet. I saw another NBA player whinging about fans giving them a hard time. Oh, my God. Can't have it. Can't have that. But I will say, maybe when I have a baby, I'll be more sensitive on this topic. But would love to know, at what age should I be going, oh, that's just a bad human? Six? Four? When, do, when does someone stop being a baby? When do we enter the, in, prime, in early childhood development? And I, I only know this because old Momsy's a early childhood development specialist. She did a second doctorate, you know, to... She's, she tries to give me this knowledge. I think she's trying to prepare me for being a dad. Haven't slipped on past the keeper yet. Um, yes, that, that's, a, that's an inappropriate term for when you have a baby that, that isn't planned. We call it slipping one past the keeper. It's a sports analogy, by the way. The, the, the keeper in this case. Okay, I, I don't think I need to explain what the keeper would be. But I haven't slipped on past the keeper. But I think my mom's preparing me for... Do you know what my mom said the other day? Like, it was in 2023. She goes, oh, I'm so surprised you haven't had a baby with anyone. I'm like, what, are, what is that? If anything, that's an insult to her. Is she saying she raised me badly? And she expected... <laughs> What's up with that? She's oh, I'm just... Uh, she, and it'll pop up every now and then. Like, oh, I'm just so glad you haven't made anyone pregnant, you know? Like, or you, the way you're saying it, it's like, you expect it. What's up with that? Uh, you, by the way, that's... That's you looking in the mirror saying, you haven't raised me very well. Anywho, but that, listen, these are the thoughts that I have. And it's only fair that I share them, you know. And that was an organic thought that I had when I turned on the mic. We're five minutes into it now. It's the MKT show. I'm MKT, by the way. I'm MKT. It's not indentured labor in the copper mines of the Congo. Right, or old Leopold, obviously, you know, not a good guy. Some Belgian bloke, if you want to go look up King Leopold. Anyway, maybe a different show for a different time. Manchester United just lost 3-3 against Galatasaray. Incredible scenes. We'll talk about that and the Eric Ten Hag problem, which I called out early. Um, I'll let you know where I think he's going wrong. It's been interesting. Boy, oh boy, that was bad, eh? Crikey, most crikey, mate. It's texting with a mate of mine. Oh, nah, nah. What's my name? Oh, nah, nah. Guys are saying, Onana oh, no, no, couldn't even save a Word document. 
bloody What's going on at the Martial goal? Has Martial left that? What are we doing? All right, we'll talk ETH and much, much more. MKT at the MKT Show is the email if you want to get in the mailbag. Otherwise, MKT Inspires. Mike Kilo Tango. That's MKT Inspires. All right, let's get into the show. Um, I saw a clip with a guy saying Trent Alexander-Arnold or Kieran Trippier are better than Gary Neville. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Now, I don't think Gary Neville's the best wing back that Man United's ever had. I'm old enough to remember Dennis Irwin. That guy was unbelievable. Two-footed, could play left back, right back. He's the best wing back, like as the complete package, just shut down defense, getting forward, linking up play. And he, he was a modern day wing back, by the way. He wasn't this the old school right back like Gary Neville was. But Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kieran Trippier are nowhere near. I want to make this very clear. They are nowhere near what Gary Neville was. And it's easy to pick on Gary Neville because in a legendary team, he was one of the least talented. But when it came to the core function of a right back, Kieran Trippier... And Trent Alexander-Arnold, who give you the, the auxiliary stuff going forward. My word. L- listen, they are source going forward. And Trippier's a half-decent defender. You know, he, he's a good defender. I'd take Trippier over Trent any day. But to compare those guys over a guy who was the lockdown right back. And he was a shutdown right back, by the way. Like, Gary Neville won't get credit because he wasn't very sexy. You know, he's going forward. He's not like a physical beast. But the one thing he was, was a shutdown right back. There was nothing happening on the right there. Between Beckham and Gary Neville, there was nothing going on on United's right. You, you, you can go try it left back. He was a shutdown right back. Positionally brilliant, physically just good enough. Going forward, he could whip in a ball. I mean, he wasn't brilliant. He, he obviously wasn't the modern day fullback. But to suggest Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kieran Trippier are better than Gary Neville. I saw. I don't know where I saw the clip. I think it was with a Rio Ferdinand um, podcast. It's so disgusting. Like, it's so disgusting and so out of touch. It makes me want to throw up in my mouth. It genuinely wanted... And like every good man, I hate Manchester United. But sometimes you've got to call it what it is. The guy was a lockdown right... He was the lockdown right back. For 10 years. Like, Gary Neville is the guy. I would argue maybe in that time, Lauren was probably the only right back I would take over Gary Neville. In that 10-year, there was a 10-year space from around 98. Maybe a little earlier. 97 to 2007. 2006, maybe Gary Neville was going off the boil then. But there was 8, 9 years, a a decade where Gary Neville was... Not a guy. He was that guy in a dynasty. And Fergie's not doing anyone favors, by the way. You're not getting in the team and staying with Fergie. Because he moved on from Yopstam and David Beckham and Roy Keane. Like, Fergie was not... He moved on from Dwight York and Andy Cole at the peak of their powers. Andy Cole maybe on the other side. But Dwight York, he in his book, he says, nah. You, you saw in Rio Ferdinand's book, he said, Dwight York got complacent. He moved on from him and Dwight York was still doing it. He moved on from Ruud van Nistelrooy, sold him to Real Madrid at the peak of his powers by choice. 
We're not talking about a guy who's tolerating mediocrity. If one thing Fergie's not doing, if we're not doing that here, is anyone getting favors here? David Beckham at his peak, at his pomp. Cheers. You're getting... So Gary Neville's not getting away with anything at Man United. And Gary Neville could have played for every other team in the league at the time. Forget it. Gary Neville would have played for every other team in the league at the time. Trent Alexander-Arnold does not make Chelsea. He's, he's not... Reece James is the best right back. Best English right back. He's just never available. Uh, asterisks. So actually the best one. So in terms of talent, but I've always told you, talent's not interesting because if you're not available, that's the greatest availability. The best one's Carl Walker. Carl Walker's not as good as Gary Neville was, by the way. Better athlete. But in terms of the as a defender, nah, forget it. And Gary Neville was a leader. I like Carl Walker, by the way. You know what? Carl Walker's greatest trait is that he's always available. So he's always in a great rhythm. And then he's probably the greatest English, I need to be clear, English athlete we've ever seen. It just athletically, he's a freak. And he's good defensively. The only thing that stunts Kyle Walker in joining the, the legend conversation, I mean, he's very accomplished, but is the fact that he's, he's, really, he's really a centre-back in a right-back position. He's got, I mean, he's like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, but actually good you know um actually Kyle Walker is best at right center back in a back five like England play him where they play a back five and he's on the right of that because he crosses the halfway line he gets a nosebleed like he's got no he can't invert and I mean he does invert purely because Pep demands that and he's he's okay relatively comfortable with the ball at his feet but once he crosses the halfway line he's he's useless but but because he's such a freak athlete and positionally, he's quite good. Kyle Walker is worth sacrificing the technical side because he's just such a safety blanket. So Gary Neville was very much in that mold, actually, just not as athletic. But please, man, Trippier and Trent. Uh, like, when I heard that, I thought, I'm all for a bit of the banter, you know? I'm a get in there with the lads. Have a laugh, eh? Come on, eh? Come on, son. Little bit of little bit of a chin wag, eh? Football. Trent Alexander Arnold. The problem with Trent Alexander Arnold and putting him in that conversation is that look here, guys. Everybody in life has a primary function. You're not allowed to be better at your secondary function than you are supposed to be at your primary function. That's how you lose a job, you lose a relationship. L- let me give you an example. If somebody says your girlfriend or, or husband or you take it whoever it is, your life partner, whatever people are saying in 2023, if they say, oh, wow, this person's never late for the bus and they're never late for meetings. So they're very timeous, you know, they're very timeous. But they're a bad parent. But oh, you just can't believe they're never late. Somewhere people say, oh, never late for brunch, this person. But they're just a terrible, terrible parent with no emotional control around the children. What do I care that you're always on time? If you're my, if you're my wife, and you can't handle our children, you can't talk to our children. You're a me. You're a shambles at home. What do I care? Your main function is to be my wife. The secondary thing is to you oh, You're you're on time. Amazing. That's good to hear. Good to hear, babe. 
I can't have Trent to Alexander-Arnold being sauce, which he is. He's a super saucy player. Ball striking, sensational. Set-piece delivery, sensational. Goals, sensational. But I've got Mo Salah for that. Why is that Why is that being praised so much and no one's going, oh my goodness, this guy's a terrible defender. Now you've got to ask yourself, Jürgen, do you move the guy? And by the way, people think it's that easy. It's not that easy because one of, the, one of Trent's shortcomings as well is he's technically sublime, but he's not actually a very good athlete. You know, the one thing about Reese James is he's such a powerful athlete. And Reese James is technically brilliant. You know, you see that chest trap is sensational. And he can move the ball. I mean, he played at Wigan as a holding mid and got player of the season. But you can see Reese James has a 360 degree playing axis because he's just so technically brilliant. And the body that Reese James has, he's got a bit of a BBW body. One of those guys who, if he eats a grape, he's overweight. But he's, he's got that thick set Wayne Rooney style body. So, so you can't actually budge him off the ball. And Reese James is just so complete. I mean, he's got everything that Kyle Walker has in terms of positioning. And then he's got the technical ability that Trent Alexander-Arnold has. So what are we doing here? What are we doing with Trent? Like, what are we, what are we actually talking about? Trent is sauce. He is source. Going forward, he's source. But his problem is, as I said, he's not a good enough athlete to actually play right midfield. Because in that position, as you can see, is you've got to be quite explosive in that in that position to you, you so so what they teach young wingers is you'll often see these high level wingers, is they'll they, they call it stop start. It's literally a a, a skill of a winger is what you've got to do is get the wing back to stop. And so you'll often see these proper ones. Arjen Robin is probably the best I've ever seen at it. But part of the skill is you'll see, I think the best proponent now is Jeremy Doku. And uh, Jack Grealish is brilliant at this. He literally gets the ball to stop. So he puts his foot in it. And as soon as that happens, he moves left or right. And the defender obviously is backtracking. And those guys are just so powerful and raw pace. That once they've stopped you and they get going, if you're not an explosive wingback, Reese James, Kyle Walker, and you can't stay stride, stride for stride, which Trent cannot do because he's quite slight and isn't, he's not very fast. You know, he's not like an explosive athlete. But what he is, is sublime technically. So for Trent, he actually needs to start deeper and he's, he does his best work on the overlap because he, Trent can't get to the byline. Like Doku and Foden and Mares. Like he's not a very good dribbler either, you know? And the other thing is people say, oh, just play him in midfield. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that because part of being in midfield is you've got to get your foot in there. Unless you're Andre Perlo, right? It's hot in the kitchen there and Trent doesn't like to put his foot in. So already Liverpool are quite light in midfield with McAllister. If you're playing McAllister and Endo and Sabozlai, that's already a super technical midfield where there isn't much steel having lost Henderson. So people just say, oh, put Trent in there. It's not how football works. And again, Trent needs that third man run. So if you don't know what a third man run is, it's when, so imagine I pass it 
to somebody else and you've made a run and that person passes it to you. So it's it's the guy who's going to get the ball third, literally in the passing movement. So I pass it to somebody and you've already made a run and then they knock it to you, you'll often see it. Is Trent needs that in order to create the space for himself to whip it in first time or to get in a position to score goals. He, he can't create moments for himself. Whereas Reese James can, um, and I mean, you've seen Ashley Cole could. The, these are super, super technical. Obviously, Danny Alves, the great Danny Alves, Gianluca Zambrotta. These are people who could, who could manufacture, Cafu, they could manufacture situations because they were terrific athletes and they were dribblers. Right? Uh, Gianluca Zambrotta just, just, I mean, out of this world, two-footed, absolute monster. Jordi Alba. Terrific, explosive. He, he can get to the byline. T- tremendous dribbler can invert. I mean, Hordy Albert's a, a real, you know, that that's a gem. But these are people who can just purely physically and technically can create these spaces for themselves. Trent cannot. He cannot. He needs to explode onto the ball or pass people or have people create those for him with a magical pass. Reese James does not. Just give me the ball. I'm going to dribble this guy. And I'm gonna I'm gonna body him up and and create something with a one-two or whatever. Very very rarely, if you watch Trent Alexander Arnold on his delivery, watch this weekend. I mean they're playing Man United, so it's, it's not exactly a high-level defense. But what, watch the way Trent creates a space. It's a knock. It's a knock to him, and he hits it first time. Right in midfield, you don't get to do that. You've got to earn your space in midfield. You've got you've got to play your way into space. That's where your Roy Keynes, that's where Kevin De Bruyne is, these special guys find that pocket of space. Frank Lampard, you know, these Michael Carricks. In, in there, that's not for everyone in there. And and I'd love to hear what people have to say if you're a Liverpool fan, but I don't think Trent would want to be in there because McAllister is a high-level technical operator, right? So, so the, I mean, McAllister is quite special, I think, is he'll play five feet off. He'll kind of feel the game out. But he'll, you've got to know 360 where you are in there. You've, you've got to be able to see the entire field. Trent doesn't have that, I'm afraid. So just playing in midfield because he's technically uh, a good player, I don't know if that's going to work. And, and on the right, they've got a guy called Mo Salah. Maybe you've heard of him in a 4-3-3. You, you can't, unfortunately in the Premier League, you can't have Saposlai, McAllister, and Trent Alexander-Arnold as your midfield. You're going to get bullied. I mean, imagine Caicedo, Enzo, and Ugochoke playing that midfield. Imagine Rodri. I mean, listen to this. Like, Rodri is getting there with De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva. I mean, that's such a physical midfield and, and technical midfield. You, you, you're going to get run off the field. I mean, already, like I say, already Liverpool are light. They feel light now without Henderson, you know. You, you still need an engine. They, they don't really have a number six. They've got McAllister playing sort of in the Perla role of that deep-lying playmaker. Right? He, he's almost playing like a sweeper in between the centre-backs, uh, what, they, what they termed with Dirk Kaiser as the libero, stepping out from the defense, collecting the ball off the defenders, coming from the traditional sweeper position, and then he's playing between the in between those lines, and he carries the ball, right? And then he distributes 
from what they call the number six um, position. So, don't know about Trent. It's a bit of a conundrum because you've got to have men. What's clear is he's special. What he's not is a right back. Oh, my God. And he's not. He, uh, he cannot defend. He, he will never be Gary Neville. And Gary Neville, I think, was being gracious on the Overlap podcast or wherever he said he thinks Trent Alexander-Arnold has the tools to be the best. And like, Gary knows. I, I think, listen, Gary Neville's clearly a highly intelligent guy. He owns hotels. He knows what he's doing. What's he going to look like if he says, this lad's not as good as me? Gary knows what's going on. He knows what time it is. There's a reason. Listen, Gareth Southgate is one of the nicest human beings in the world. There's a reason he doesn't pick him. It's like, no, I need, especially in the wing-back position. By the way, in the back five, that's where you genuinely need Reese James or Kyle Walker uh, on the right. Or Trippier. That's where Trippier is. Because Trippier, actually, people won't say it. I'd argue Trippier probably has better delivery. Because Trippier takes the free kicks for England. And for Newcastle. I'd argue Trippier has the same delivery, if not better, than Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's got superb delivery. Why the hell would I pick Trent when I've got Trippier? I'm, I'm getting the same product. The only difference is England don't have Mo Salah and neither do Newcastle. If, if Newcastle had a Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, I'd love to see what Trippier's stats would look like. Because he is just... I mean, I read a really interesting article about Eddie Howe saying his distribution is why you have to play him on the right because it opens the whole field up. He's literally a playmaker from right back, Kieran Trippier. His, his vision is just sublime. So, Trent, forget it. No chance. Um, so, I think about Sinbin. Uh, by the way, I'd love to know what you think. MKT inspires. Your thoughts on Trent, Alexander-Arnold. Are you a Liverpool fan? Do you? What's your solve? Do you go five at the back? You play three centre-backs and just let him basically be a right midfielder. But then what do you do with Mo Salah? Play him up front? But then you lose Mo Salah's ability because Salah needs to start at the line to keep the wing-back honest because you want to isolate the wing-back one-on-one with Mo Salah, right? That's what. That's where Mo Salah wins. His pace and power is, I want to I want to keep your your wing-back honest Is if he doesn't come meet me at the line. Mo Salah says, fantastic. Because I'm cutting inside. I'm the poor man's Arjen Robin. I'm going to bend this thing in the top corner. And I'm going to go celebrate with my afro. That's what Mo Salah's going to do. He's going to celebrate with his afro and run to the crowd. Great hair. Well, what's Mo Salah doing with hair products, eh? Is he wearing a wig, that guy? His hair has not receded. Fantastic hair, that guy. MKT inspires. MKT inspires. I just want to touch on this one, the Sinbin thing. I don't know if you've seen that, but IFAB is trialing Sinbins in football. Like, I saw Paul Merson having a breakdown. I do love Merce. He's great. You know, in a, in a time when I think what football's trying to do is get rid of any lads, because it's just, football's not for the working class anymore, right? It's for the gentry. It's like a Sky Sports is a premium product. So they, they don't really like Merce and any of that laddish behavior which i love like i i I mean i come from a working class family and so i'm i'm much more comfortable around working class people than i am the gentry to be completely honest with you you know 
So I like that. I like Paul Merson. I, I liked Alan Kerbishley. I, I really, I, I prefer that style of delivery, which is why I don't really listen to commentary when it's these English commentators. You know, <laughs> but I, I have to agree with Paul Merson. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out on Sky Sports. That in football, so so if you don't know what's going to happen there, is they're going to try and have 10-minute sin bins like rugby. So essentially, the the, refer, the referee can only be spoken to by the captain. They're going to trial this. They, they, they're trialing it at higher levels. Uh, that'll be revealed, according to the article, soon what that means. But I, th- that made me want to jump off a bridge. Like, guys, you haven't even fixed the technology that you've got now. Like, the football product is great. Why? The, the fact that players are shouting at referees isn't that big of a problem. And the only people that have a problem with it is the rich, the rich gentry. It's like, oh, well, why don't you piss off? Because football is for the working class, and working class people have a confrontational way about them. Like, being, being working class is hard, and football still, like, and I know modern people can't stand alpha males, you know, anything to do with aggression. Oh, oh my God. Toxic masculinity or whatever work people say. I'm not a very woke person. Toxic masculinity. Oh, that's why, that's why it's so hard to find a good man. Look at them. Because you, you men don't check each other or whatever. Absolute malarkey woke circles are saying, piss off. Like, this is still alpha male, some of the most competitive people in the world. One of my favorite, favorite moments was Tuchel and um, Antonio Conte. Was that last season? Oh, my God. That was last season. So much happened last season. That was last season. Was that last season? It was, eh? Where they had a full-on go and, oh, the whinging from the soft left. Oh, my God. Is this the, is this the example we're going to set for children? This is what children as what. Just piss off. Raise your own kids. If you don't want aggressive, macho, machismo males, because by the way, by the way, if you don't like that, don't watch sport. Is my thing. Like if you don't like the machismo thing, because sport is a machismo space for men. I I I I want to be completely honest. I don't really watch any women's sports, so I don't know. I would imagine those are some of the most competitive people in the world as well, because. Who wouldn't want to play for PSG? Who wouldn't want to be a tennis player? Like, I, I can't imagine female athletes are that different in personality in terms of drive and just getting there and eliminating others to be the PSG Brazil captain. Like, these are these are some of the most competitive humans in the world. But I don't know. I don't know what the female space is like. I'm just speaking about a world I lived in, played in, and now watch. I love it. I love it. Get in there. I like a bit of edge. I like have a go at the ref, by the way. Within within the context of football, the ref is our or is everyone's enemy. Have a have a go. Have a go. Have a go, Sean. I love that. It's a part of the pageantry of football. And the refs must handle it as well. Like the ref's mental health. Get out of here. Get out of here. You're getting paid like twelve thousand pounds a game. You, 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 you're laughing. You, you are, the refs are laughing. And if you don't want a referee, get out. There's lots of people who come ref. Like, refs aren't important. I don't want us to start saying 
the referees. Let's start looking after the referees. Get out of here. What are we doing? And by the way, if you, uh, I, I can't say this enough. I can't stand wokeism coming into like aggressive sport, trying to reduce the violence. Like football is an aggressive alpha male sport. I, like I don't care what you've got to say. If you want to have your conscious conversations, by all means, go to air-conditioned offices and all snap your fingers every time someone makes a good point. But foot, football's not the space. Football's just, it's for us. It's for people who just, yeah, get in there. You know? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe football's evolving. And I, I think the Premier League's trying to make it a family product, which makes me mad. You know? I do work with the Premier League as well. So there is a there is a, a strong leaning to wanting to clean up the game and turn these guys into role models. I, I've always said sportsmen are not shouldn't be expected to be role models. If they are, that's awesome. Raise your own kids. I'm sorry. Raise your own kids. I, I'm not saying they don't have tremendous platforms to be leaders. And you know what? I love it when a guy's LeBron James. But I'm not going to persecute somebody when. When somebody says they're not a role model. Now, within that role, like I don't enjoy, I enjoy the role model guy. Well, I, you, you know what I want? I, I just want somebody who takes it seriously. Like, I'm not going to have Paul Pogba. Like, I, that, that, no. No. No, we're not doing that. Like, if you want to be at this level, the thing about being a Paul Pogba guy is, I always say, you, you can't be that level of ego and then when, you, when you're not performing, act the victim. Get out of here. Paul Pogba, that, that style of player, get out of here. Not having it. I am not having that. Bruno Fernandes has a bit of this, right? Like, not playing well, have a whinge guy. No. We're, we're not doing that. But to the Sinbin thing, uh-uh. I'm with Paul Merson there. What are we doing? Because I'm like, in rugby, it doesn't really change the game. As you saw in the World Cup final, uh, it's where the Springboks won their fourth uh, William Boy Bellis, by the way, the most of any country ever. Unlike New Zealand, who only have three. Um, the Sinbin in football, 10 men in football, essentially nullifies your team, especially at that level. So that's now 10 minutes of, because remember, it's a TV product, by the way. Like rugby, you can still kick and maul and and navigate your way around 14 men. In football, you, you have to just tuck in now and defend between your box. Like you, you cannot in football with 10 men unless you're prime Barcelona or 70s, 80s Ajax or uh, Arrigo Sacchi's 90s AC Milan. And like those guys, okay. You, you, when you got Rude Hullet and Van Basten, <laughs> fine. Then you can go and still play your stuff. But 90% of teams, especially now in the Premier League, they're just too good. Like, imagine having to play Real Madrid. You're Girona, and you, I mean, Girona are very good. They're maybe the one team you, who wouldn't care. But you saw Tottenham against Chelsea. You, you just have to defend. And then that's 10 minutes of every game. Ruined, completely ruined. Plus, obviously, VAR will have to add 11 minutes to that 10 minutes because somebody had an orange in the corner or whatever nonsense. 
The Sinbin thing is a big no because you haven't even fixed the addition uh, of technology called VAR. So stop adding stuff when you're still adding stuff that we still haven't figured out and fans still aren't comfortable with. And this is taking away from the TV product. Why would you want to add something else that's going to take away from the TV product even more? The product is fine. Why are they adding the Sinbin thing? The product is great. Players having a go elicits fans to go, hey, you can't talk to the ref like that. That's part of the play. Football's a play. These are, these are, it's a stage. I've, I've said this before. The great uh, Simon Critchley calls football the working class ballet. It's a performance. It's an art form. It's supposed to elicit strong emotions. It should be tribal. You know, there's a beautiful saying that football is an extension of war by other means. It is it is a, a deeply, when you want to get philosophical about it, an extension of, of ideology and philosophy and identity politic and policing of space. Football is a deeply uh, philosophical game if you want to take, take it to that level. Now, some people go, oh, you're being a bit much. But I, I believe that. Like, I mean, football's my life. It's... My family knows football is the most important thing in the world to me. So I do read football as a philosophical play. So it should elicit strong emotions in us. That side's fine. Why are you trying to ruin that by... You don't need to control players. The, like most players now are fine. They have a bit of a go at the ref and whatever. The, ref, the refs also understand it, by the way. So they understand their role in this play is they are everyone's villain. It's the player's role to manipulate the ref. They should be doing that, especially at that level. These are the most competitive human beings, some of the most competitive human beings in the world. Come on, man. Come on. You don't need to add anything. So, Sinbin, out. No. No. What are we doing? What are we doing? Just fix VAR. Spend the next five years perfecting VAR. Because that's affecting the TV product. And that's what football at that level is. It's not about the sport. It's about the TV product. Because you know who pays for everything? It's television. You know why that happens? Because of us. We watch. Stop treating the fans like they don't matter. The fans are the most important thing. You know why people are are willing to pay £10 billion for the next round of rights? Because we watch. You know why? It's the best television product in the world. I'm out on that. Finish off on this one. Um, Newcastle's handball against PSG. You know what's funny? is If you, do, if you watch the Man United game, th- there's actually, I think it was McTominay, that's a handball. That's actually a handball. They haven't given that. They've given the Livramento one which it's clear, if it comes off your body and goes into your arm, that mandate is clear. Now, I, I was just reading an article before I started recording that that VAR guy has been suspended. But that one's bad. The Newcastle one's bad, bad. And I, I don't mean a bad, bad like how when the youth are saying an attractive woman, you know, she a bad, bad. I mean, that was terrible. Like World War Two, bad. Oh, not that bad. I mean, World War Two was a little bit worse than a bad decision in a football game in the, in the most 
stable time to be alive in human history. But you get the point. I'm, a, I'm exaggerating for dramatic effect here. That was, come on. That one is, that's criminally bad. That's like, mm, is that corruption? Like, is that corruption? Like, do we need PSG in because they are within the, within the scope of Europe a bigger product? That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Because everyone, like, why are you derailing now? Like, like, everyone's kind of clear now. Okay, if it deflects, and we know, if it deflects off the body and hits the arm. Okay, cool. No, no that, that one can't be. The Man United one traveled three meters, if not more, to a flailing arm. And people say, yes, but you can't, you can't say we made a mistake with the one yesterday and then legislate that you have to make another mistake to correct for that. But the Man United one is a genuine one. If you remember a couple of years ago, Kimpembe against Manchester United. That one came, I mean, that one came from like 40 yards and no one even saw that it was a handball. The Man United one... I mean, if you're a Chelsea fan, let's not even get into the, the handball from last season. Or two seasons ago against Real Madrid that was given. Let's not even... But in, in Europe, it's basically, if it hits your hand, it's a... I mean, I mean, we saw, was it two weeks ago? If it hits your hand, it's basically a penalty, right? In Europe. Like, and now the McTominay one isn't. What's going on with VAR? And also, why is VAR different in Europe than it is in England? And, like, why? Why can't it just... Why can't we just standardize it? Like, football fans watch everything now. We don't just watch... Like, if you're a Man United fan, you don't just watch your team. You watch the Champions League. Don't wa- don't make the consumer work hard, please. Like, the offside automated one for UEFA, but in the Premier League, it's not automated. Like, guys, what are we doing? What are we doing? I- I- I'm all for independence, but that sort of stuff, it should be unilateral. Like, okay, here's how it works. Football's not different in Spain than it is in England. There's a, there's a slightly more physical nature in England, and they let you get away with more. But stuff like that is a handball should be cut and dry. I think they should change the rule too if it just hits your hand it's a handball, because let, let, let's just cut the nonsense. Like football's good enough; we don't need to add more drama into it. Like, football has enough natural drama. You don't have to... There's organic drama. It's, it's built to be a dramatic sport, especially at that level. Why are we making it complicated for the consumer? Because we start to lose trust in it, right? Eventually, people are going to get tired. It's like, no, nah, I've, I've, I've got other stuff to do. People have options now. Don't ruin the TV product with sin bins and, and making something as simple as a handball rule complicated. Listen, it's, it's my job to understand consumer behavior. One thing consumers don't like in 2023, you know why Amazon's the leading company in the world? I order, I put it in there, I pay, it arrives at my door. We call them sophisticated consumers in marketing. Sophisticated consumers don't want to work hard. Don't make consumers work hard. You know why F&B is the leading bank in, probably in the world in terms of fintech? Is the app is just complete idiots even your baby who's who should be working in the copper mines of the congo could use that app and transact that's why they're the best in the world 
F&B consumers do not have to work hard. Oh my God! Listen, I've got two two credit cards with one with the F&B and one with another company. Oh my God! Listen, Absa, what are we doing? If you work at Absa and you're listening to this, maybe maybe the worst app, certainly in the southern hemisphere. Like, what are we doing? Amalgamated banks of South Africa. What are we doing? It's hard work. It's like okay, I see why F&B South Africa's number one bank. I don't want to. I don't have a standard bank account, but I, they've always been a disaster. Listen, shout out to Standard Bank. I think they're the biggest bank in Africa. I don't really know banks well enough, but Standard Bank and their tech car crash. Don't make consumers work hard. Sophisticated consumers don't want to work hard. People want just want to watch football. Just stick to VAR. Don't add sin bins and now complicate handball. Love to hear your thoughts. MKT at the MKT show. All right, let's finish off with Eric Ten Hag. I just wanted to touch on this. As I said, they just lost 3-3 to Galatasaray. Um, <laughs> what a game. By the way, Man United were 2-0 up, then 3-1 up, and then 3-3. It felt inevitable, doesn't it? And they never felt in control. United never felt in control of that game. You know why? Eric Ten Hag has bought terribly. He spent over 420 million euros to stay the same. He's bought terribly. He's not solved the main issue. The midfield. Football will never change. If you can't control the middle, you'll never win. Eric Tunhag has essentially bought a chandelier for a mansion that doesn't have plumbing. That's what he's done. Anthony, Rasmus, Casemiro, Mount, Martinez, Onana, Malasia. None of those guys solve the core problem. And don't tell me about Casemiro. I've told you, Real Madrid don't sell players unless they're finished. Casemiro's finished. Stop it. You can see now the injuries, and he's just too slow for the... Like, the English Premier League's a different beast, guys. And there's no Tony Cruz and Luka Modric to carry you here. You're not just on a mop-up duty. Part of being, part of being in that dynasty for Casemiro... And, and it's why maybe he doesn't make the Brazil team so much. And when he does, they're not very good. Part of that is he was just on mop-up duty. They had 65% of the ball. When you've got Vinicius and Modric and Cruz and Sejo Ramos. Right? Like, you got the ball the whole time. You got Cristiano Ronaldo, Gareth Bale. Like you are on an island, basically you are just a conduit. You, you're not really doing anything outside of intercepting and really tactical fouls. But you're now in the English Premier League. There is no La Liga style dominance here. Uh, no, 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 no. The Burnley is full of internationals here. It's not like sorry to say it, but Germany and England. The past, maybe the 10th team, largely the teams are filled with internationals from their own countries and lack of internationals, sorry. So in Spain, like most of the guys will be cheaper Spanish players from the second division. It's just an economics thing. Like the English Premier League, Burnley has international captains from all over the place, the very best in the world. It's not a walk in the park against Burnley here. Like Casemiro... <laughs> a bit of a honeymoon last season, but he's finding out that he's finding out what time it is. The Premier League is 
<laughs> it's the best product in the world. It's the most coveted place in the world. The very best players in the world. Listen, the very best players in the world are always going to go to Barcelona and Real Madrid. That's not going to change. Barcelona, listen, there's three clubs that are special. Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. The best players in the world are always going to go there. Let's face it. Those, those clubs, whether you like it or not, are special. Fine. Remove those. But in England, 1 to 10. Chelsea are 10th. Chelsea are 10th. Chelsea won the Champions League two years ago. We're not talking about a bunch of mugs here. Chelsea are 10th in the English Premier League. That's what time it is. Real Madrid are never going to be 10th. Barcelona are never going to be 10th. Come on. Come on now. Atletico Madrid are going to be in the top six. Man United have not won a Premier League title in 10 years. 10 years. Imagine you told someone 15 years ago, Man United will go a decade without winning the league. Liverpool have won one title in 30 years. Chelsea are in year six of no title. <laughs> Casemiro is finding out what time it is. Got to buy in midfield, guys. There's zero world-class midfielders at Manchester United. Zero. At Manchester United. This is the, this is the home of Brian Robson, Roy Keane, Michael Carrick, Paul Scholes, Paul Ince. The governor. Literally, the governor. They called him the governor. What is going on at this institution? You cannot have Bruno Fernandes as your best player. Bruno Fernandes is lukewarm at best. Bruno Fernandes does not get in any of the other top seven, top eight teams. He doesn't get in the Chelsea squad. And Chelsea are terrible right now. He's maybe better than Conor Gallagher, but I don't know. And... Man United fans are caught up in that first 13 months of Bruno Fernandes. But as the old saying goes, water always finds its level. You can't spend 400 million. Listen, you can blame Chelsea for all you want. It's clear what's going on there. The talent's not the issue. Caicedo, Enzo, it's on lockdown in there. Lavia's going to come back and Kunku's going to come back. And I think you'll see a different side. And I'm not saying that as a Chelsea fan. But Chelsea have built from inside out. You can see what they're doing. Desarsi. Man United have not addressed the biggest problem that they've had since Michael Carrick walked out that door. You can't buy the chandeliers if the plumbing doesn't work. It's not, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. Why is he buying Anthony? Why are you buying a keeper? Why are you buying a keeper? Because I will always argue for a ball-playing keeper. I think De Gea had to go. But you could have kept De Gea, right? Because that's the least of your problems, by the way. You bought a washed Raphael Varane. Big problem. Although that's not his fault, okay? I can't blame him for Varane. I, I, for those who listen to the podcast, you know I said Varane from the very beginning. What are you doing? He's injury prone and he's finished. And also, you were hiding a little bit behind Sergio Ramos. Like, again, when you've got Chris Modric, Sergio Ramos, Gareth Bale, Cristiano Ronaldo, you're on holiday, mate. And that France team was Conte, Matuidi. Come on now. You're, 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 you're laughing. You're laughing. Raphael Varane being one of the best centre-backs of the last decade is a joke. He's not. What he is is a very good defender. He's not, he's not a legendary defender. Stop it. Stop. I'm not having that. Please. Stop. Stop. I'm not going to say Wes Brown has, is at nine Premier League titles, so he's a great player. John O'Shea was part of a system. 
uh, Rafael Varane was part of a French system, part of, he, he was on the gravy train at Real Madrid. And again, he got to the Premier League. You see what time it is. But Eric Ten Hag has bought terribly. Let's just be honest. Anthony, mediocre. Erasmus, we'll find out. Casemiro, washed. Mason Mount isn't a central midfielder. He's an inverted left winger. He's not a number eight. He's never played that role at Chelsea, by the way. He's never played in the middle. He's not Frank Lampard. For England, he plays on the left. He's athletic. He's tactically disciplined. And I like Mason Mount. But for 60 million, he doesn't solve the most important problem you will have in football. That's where Chelsea have done well. That's where uh, Man City... Because what did Pep... Look at what Pep's do. Bernardo Silva tried to get out of there. Say, whoa, whoa, whoa. How much money do you need? Rodri, address that. De Bruyne, obviously, that's massive. John Stones, he's a big part of things. You know why? You've got to lock that thing down. I told you, that's why Trent can't play in there. In there, you need, you need the mandate. You need dogs in there. Football's never going to change. That's why Man City aren't the same guys without Rodri. Come on now. Enzo, Rice, Casido. Between those three, Man United should have bought two. Between Enzo, Rice, and Caicedo, Man United should have made sure. He should shouldn't have been messing around spending 60 million on Casemiro. 80 on Anthony. You don't need Rasmus. Like, Rasmus is not changing Man United. As you can see, he's in the graveyard show. He's not changing the direction Man United are going. There's lots of good strikers. Don't worry about that. You'll get to that. You need three proper midfielders. Proper. Bruno Fernandes is not good enough. Having him as your captain should make Man United fans sick to their stomach. The fact that you come from Roy Keane and Paul Scholes and Michael Carrick and now you got to have Bruno Fernandes as your pinup boy. Come on. Why did he give the number seven to Mason Mount? And by the way, at Man United, that matters. Who wears the number seven at Man United is the most coveted shirt, I would argue, in world football. Guys, we're talking about George Best here. If you're not a football fan, cool, you don't understand. But at Manchester United, that shirt. You remember Antonio Valencia wore number seven for one season? He had to change back to 25. Because of that football club, that jersey, in the context of the English Premier League. Mason Mount's not that guy. He's a good player. You, if you know me, I like him. He's a grown-up. He's tactically disciplined. He's a fine athlete. He's a coach's dream. On the left wing. But he's not Cristiano Ronaldo. Maybe you've heard of him. David Beckham, heard of him. George Best. Eric Cantona. These are, that's who wears the number seven at Manchester United. Not Mason Mount. These things matter. And if Eric Ten Hag doesn't get that, I would worry as a Man United fan, do you not understand the essence of what this club is? Because if you know anything about Manchester United, their history is everything to them. And if you can't capture that essence, Eric Ten Hag is starting to show me. And you know how you saw that the middle's a problem? I'm not sure if you watched... Listen, I watched the Man United game on the weekend against Everton. Mainu was the best player on the pitch. It's like, oh, they finally got someone in midfield and it looks controlled. He's 18. Like just a mature, 
adult-like performance in the mid- in the midfield by Mane. It's like, oh, uh, okay, you've won three 0 and it felt like you should won three 0 Here's the problem: Man United are out of Europe now. What? Because Sir Jim, Sir, Sir Jim uh, Radcliffe, one thing about rich people is they not gonna, they don't care what Eric Ten Hag's done. He's not, we didn't hire you. Get out of here. One thing about billionaires is they think they know better than everyone. Eric Ten Hag's in trouble here. Are they going to trust him with another four hundred million to spend? Because this isn't a Todd Bully situation where it's a it's a sporting project. That these are his guys. People are saying he's just buying IX guys. Do you, as Man United, trust Eric Ten Hag to spend another four hundred million? And I've always advocated he needs to stay. But you got to ask this. You say. Look, maybe he just doesn't understand that this is, my man, this is not Ajax. This is not Bayern Munich where you're assistant coach to Pep Guardiola. It's not a one-team show here. Here you've got to do things properly. At Ajax, obviously, the conveyor belt, you, you've got the creme de la creme. At Bayern Munich, I mean, you've got the best players in the world. You, you've got arguably the best development in the world. Barcelona might have something to say about that. But, but Bayern Munich is it's a production factory. They're bringing through. They're giving you Tony Cruz. They're giving you Thomas Müller. They're developing Musiala. They're giving you Gnabry, Leroy Zane. The, the, these are the types of guys they're rolling out. Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka. They, these are guys they're rolling out. By the way, here's what we're bringing out in, in Bavaria. Put these guys in the team. That's what you're getting at Bayern Munich. Not at Man United. They did it once. There's too much competition now. Chelsea... Newcastle, these guys are, are coming, they're hawks. This is the big time, my man. And if, you, if you're not going to be elite in building your squad, because let me tell you something about sport. It's a talent business. You're in a talent business. Cut the nonsense. And, and I know now every analytics person thinks they're smart. You're still in a talent business. You, you know why Man City wins? 115 charges, of course, is a part of it. But they're, they're stretching the financial rules. But the reality is they're the best players. You know why Pep Guardiola won at Barcelona? He had Lionel Messi and Davi Villa and Jorge Alba and Sergio Busquets and Iniesta and Xavi Hernandez and Dani Alves, Pedrinho, Ludo Juli. Oh, Juli was right card, but you know what I'm saying. It's a talent business. And one of the first things, Tweet Fergie was great. Tweet Fergie was great. He found talent and he put it together. It's called a team. You've got to have the best players. Man United, Man United, it wasn't a miracle that Man United were winning in the 90s and the noughties. They had the best players. When you've got Carlos Tevez, Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney and Michael Carrick and Paul Scholes and Patrice Evra and Nemanja Vidic. Shocker. And Edwin van der Sar. Oh, shocker, you're winning. <laughs> shocker. Oh. Do you trust Eric Ten Hag after what he's shown you? My father always used to say the following. People will always show you who they are. Believe them the first time. If you are Manchester United, do you trust Eric Ten Hag? Because it's going to take another 400 million, by the way. Because I think he's made a mistake with the goalkeeper. I hate short goalkeepers. Onana is not Edison. I'll, I'll let Edison go because it's basically like having 
Andre Perlo at goalkeeper. He's another playmaker. He's, he's really, his secondary function is being a shot stopper. He's, he's that good. He's that pivotal to a to well-oiled football machine already. He, like, Pep Guardiola is the one manager in the world where I say the goalkeeper is, as, is far more important as a playmaker than he is a, as a goalkeeper. Because Vito Valdez was a terrible goalkeeper. As, as a shot stopper and crosses. But he was just so good with his feet. Onana is a mistake. I'm sorry. Anthony was a mistake. He's not good enough. Low character guy. Martinez was a mistake. It's too small. It's the English Premier League. He's too small, guys. Casemiro was a... Cataclysm. Casemiro was the worst... Of the most important positions was the worst signing I've seen. 60 million, by the way, he paid for a 31-year-old. That was already finished. It's too slow. Jim Radcliffe's looking at that and going, hmm. Here's the thing about my money. (laughs) Love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you if you're Man United. Football's never going to change. Jose Mourinho came in, Claude Makelele, Michael Essien, Manish. Let's address that early. Well, Lampard was there. Not too bad. That midfield trio was everything. Fergie always built it from there. Brian Robson, Paul Ince, Roy Keane. You know, he always had that guy in there. Mike, as soon as Keane decided it was over, he said, I'm going I'm to need to go to Tottenham and see what they got going with their guy over there. My man, you're going to need to come over here. Paul Scholes out of retirement. You know why? Because Fergie knows that in there, that's where you got to be. That's where you got to be elite. You can be auxiliary everywhere else. Which is, Fergie got it away with a lot. But he never, ever compromised in the middle. Think of all his teams. Go and look at that 2013 team. He had Antonio Valencia and Ashley Young. and But he had Michael Carrick in the middle. Of course you're going to win. Michael Carrick, Paul Scholes, got Paul Scholes out of retirement. Just to, Paul, one more, t- one more time, laddie. One more time, laddie. Scholes said, no problem, I'll wear the 22. Fergie, let's do this thing. Get Ryan Giggs in there. Remember, Ryan Giggs moved from left wing, but Ryan Giggs is an elite all-time footballer. Get in the middle, play of the season. Remember, Ryan Giggs moved to holding defensive mid. Guys turned into prime Perlo now all of a sudden. But Ryan Giggs is an elite footballer in the middle of the pitch. Paul Scholes. That's what you got to do, guys. You can't have Bruno Fernandes and Scott McTominay at Manchester or, or, or want to be consistently the best team in the league. It doesn't work that way. Can't have Casemiro. Not, not in 2023. Not in 2023. you got to have Rodri. you got to have Bernardo Silva. you got, you got to have Jack Grealish. you got to have Saboslai. you you got to have these guys. You got Fabinho, these guys. That, that's how you dominate. That's how you dominate. You look at Chelsea. You've got to have Caicedo. You've got to have Enzo now. Guys, this thing has not changed. It's a disaster at Man United. It's a complete and utter disaster. Love to hear your thoughts. FKT at the MKT Show. Have the time of your lives. Hope you have a great week. 
or the rest of the week, whenever you're listening to this. I mean, that's a podcast. You could be, you know what, you could be hungover on Christmas Day listening to this. Like, oh, I'm just catching up, you know. I work so hard. Like, like you work, those people, like you work harder than the rest of us. You bastard. Oh, I just work so hard. Hot. It's just so nice to put my feet up, you know. I can't wait for the end of the year to decompress. Like, oh, really? Oh, really, Gwen? You work so much harder than the rest of us. You, you're so much better than us. Oh, my goodness. Oh, guys, I just, I need to, I, I need to practice self-love and just go to the coast by myself, actually. Do you know what? This December's, this is my December. Oh, my goodness. Fine. You're listening then. Okay. Love to know what you think of the podcast. Please lo- leave us a five-star rating, even though I'm like, oh, my goodness. You don't work harder than everyone else. How hard are you working, really? You know? How hard are you working, really, that you've got time to go to the beach? No, it's a different time. They'll still be like our parents. Oh, my word. They're hiding so much trauma, you guys. They're hiding so much trauma. Can't work forever. What are you? What are we actually working for, you know? You've got to be a whole person. You need, you need work-life balance. Oh, my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell out of here.